0: Welcome friends to Breakfast in the Ruins, a Michael murcock flavored podcast. This show is a slight departure from the last couple of years' birthday shows. Previously, Phil and I have hauled up in a hotel somewhere full of food and victuals, and recorded on the actual day of Hare and Mike's birthday. That hasn't been possible this year, so instead Loz and I got together, virtually of course, to do a general look back and review of the past two years and a bit of podcasting, talk about what we've been up to in terms of reading and watching genre fiction, and just generally bang on about whatever springs to mind along the way, as we stray from our hastily assembled agenda. So, from that perspective at least, business as usual. And we also had a few liveners while we are at it, naturally. So, Mike turns 82 the day this show comes out, and he's still full of vigour and creative energy, and that makes us very happy indeed, and we touch on some of his upcoming releases. And it's Phil's birthday, of course. As this is uploaded, we'll be on the west coast of England, wandering along a windswept beach, and wondering where to forage for sustenance. Just to timestamp this for future listeners, Omicron is about 3 or 4 weeks old here in the UK and is exploding in terms of infections, so we won't be doing our usual 3-5 to course birthday dinner and a bottle or 3 of wine at some fabulous coastal restaurant. We might end up eating fish and chips in the open air, or even taking a load of boozy swag back to our rooms to get frazzled and watch some crap movie on the box. After all, when the world is ending, we should all just go home and watch it on the telly. Either way, I'm sure you'll all join me in wishing Phil and Mike the happiest of birthdays, because just being together, reading, and celebrating each other and our friends, that's the trick isn't it? Everything else is trimmings. So sit back, relax, don't worry about the bloody IT issues, and join Loz and I and Derry and Tom's as we drink some stupid stouts and talk all kinds of bollocks about the last couple of years of breakfasting in the ruins. <coughs> just explaining that lord samper recorded a birthday message and wished us a happy birthday on the podcast so we just decided at that point that it would be formally be the podcast's birthday so the birthday episode on the 8th of december now is happy birthday phil happy birthday michael mocock who turns 82 and 82. Uh, 82 and happy birthday to the podcast even though it's a little bit more than two years so we decided that we would have not a review of the year as such, but reflections on the last couple of years of the podcast. But the last couple of years, because of course, we've been podcasting during a pandemic. Oh, remember those early days of podcasting first to face?
1: Crazy times.
0: Salad days, halcyon <laughs> days. Yeah. Uh, Ever but... we
1: dream <laughs> <laughs> we'd be locked up for two years?
0: Yeah. But, you know, I think as is traditional. uh, we'll kick off. We've got ourselves sort of an agenda, but I think we'll kick off with a beer, a traditional stupid beer. Now, there's a little bit of variation in the stupidity, and we've got five beers each, three of which we have the same beer. Two of them are wild cards. So we've popped them onto the wandering beer table, and uh, I think it's only fair, Loz, as you have guessed, that you should roll first of all to see what we're going to drink
1: first. Let's pray. Do it. So the, the gods of, of beer. Yeah, uh, I've got a twelve.
0: You got a twelve. So twelve is, if I just refer back to the list that we hastily wrote, <laughs> <laughs> a short while The wandering ago. beer table. The wandering beer table
1: is. Oh, we're starting oh, with a palate no. cleanser. <laughs>
0: So we've shoved in a palate cleanser because we've got some rather interesting beers here. And as it happens, we're having to start with a palate cleanser. I'm going to read. This is a brick brewery, strawberry and cucumber sour. And the label says, Inspired by the typical flavours of a British summertime, we've used strawberry and cucumber to create a sour beer aimed to enjoy all year round. Strawberry adds a fresh sweetness while the cucumber adds a refreshing and cooling balance to the tartness of the sour beer. And it's by Brick Brewery. So, I'll yeah. be the judge of that. Yeah. Um, so th- the idea was, because we've got some rather probably syrupy beers, was to have a-, a nice palate cleanser. But everything's instantly gone wrong because we're starting with the palate cleanser. And I don't know how that bodes for, for later on, but let's get it cracked and find out. And, uh, of course, the paw. Yep,
1: it looks like... Well, I don't know about you. I'm I'm currently sat um, in my kitchen in Manchester. Uh-huh. Obviously, this is a summer drink. I'm yep. Currently pissing down. Yeah, a pitter patter of rain on the on the patio doors, which
0: is nice. Whereas I am sitting in my grand study, aka box room, um, <laughs> in in <laughs> in Shez, Phil and andy in Bradford. Uh, but let's give this a go anyway. Let's in? Yep, it tastes uh, of cucumbers.
1: It really does, isn't it? Mm. Which yeah. I don't really appreciate in a drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at least it's a, at least
0: it's quite sharp, which I appreciate. I also
1: expect it to be a lot worse than that. It's actually reasonably. I've only had one sip, reasonably pleasant. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah, it's not as sour as some of these tend to be. Uh, yeah, it's actually it okay. It's quite refreshing.
1: It's, it's more cucumber than strawberry, I would say.
0: Yeah, I don't test strawberry at all. But well done, Brick Brewery. This is this is rather refreshing. It is yeah. uh, probably would have been ideal after the debacles that we've got to drink later. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's going to be interesting. But you know, at least this one will go down fairly easily. Yeah,
1: that's all right. Yeah. Bravo, Brick Brewery. Yeah.
0: So two and a bit years of. Podcasting two two years and two yeah. months of podcasting, thirty five episodes.
1: That's pretty um, impressive. Yeah,
0: L- last Christmas we, I think we just before Phil and I recorded on our birthday, we hit ten thousand downloads, and t- so that was fourteen months and te- uh, twelve months later, we've just passed twenty five, and um, which is quite
1: astonishing, isn't it? For like you know some just people up- just crapping on about yeah. stuff.
0: Just, just a couple of useless wankers just <laughs> drinking beer and talking shit about stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's it's hardly academic, but it's just a little bit of good fun. Yeah, and that's really nice because you know we've got some fabulous patrons. Who one of the one of the best things about this actually is having made contact with such a lovely, like minded group of people who yeah. are, are so up for for what we're doing that they're chipping and basically help us pay for the hosting costs and everything else. It's absolutely great. And, of course, we've gamed with some of them. Yeah, um, yeah, it's been really, really good. It's been really, really thoroughly rewarding. So what I thought we could do, I thought we would have a look at a breakdown of where our audience comes from, number one. And uh, we've we've had a nice steady increase in in listeners. Just over half of our listeners are in the UK, but nicely, 35% of them are in the USA, and, really? Yeah, and the other 20 odd percent are all over the world. We've got a lot of listeners in France. Of course, Moacock, very popular in France. We've yeah, got a lot people of people from
1: Hull, massively popular in France.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, um, I've heard. Yeah. Funnily enough, somebody did comment on Facebook that the found our accents, I can't remember what they said. I'm not on Facebook, but. Phil
1: um,
0: no, no, <laughs> indeed, the opposite. What Somebody said, um, I sometimes find it difficult to understand what they're saying. And another guy Amazing. in America said, um, "I think it's really soothing and warming." Huh. Yeah, right. we'll, we'll take go. it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. that might be I'll you of my shrill, high-pitched voice. Obviously. Yeah,
0: could be. <laughs> could be. Yeah, yeah, it's probably my dulcet tones. Yeah. As well, to you.
1: my mate, when he listened to it, um, he he thought you sounded like John Peel, which you know, which
0: I will take. It's not bad, is it? Yeah, I'll take that so. quite happily. Yeah. So we've got quite a few in New Zealand, Canada. Germany, and then, you know, we kind of vanish under Sorry.
1: 1%. Sorry, I was hiccuping. Oh. You know it what? was the cucumber-based. Th-
0: yeah, I think hiccups are allowed. That that first half a can went down really, really nicely. I know, it's, yeah. um, I know it's quite unusual to have a fizzy cucumber beer, but I think I really like it.
1: Yeah, I think I'd probably, definitely in summer... Uh, Patronise it, I think.
0: Yeah, I'd maybe even stick a slice of cucumber in it, you know, that's and, and, and hold maybe my a pi- strawberry. Yeah, hold my pinky up while I drink it.
1: Yeah, it has got a, a slight Pims kind of quality to it, I think.
0: You could stick this in a jug with a load of strawberries and bits of apple and cucumber, you know, like what them posh people do.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got a Pims jug. Amazing. Oh. Well,
0: yeah, you've gone up in the well since you left Hull.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, we use forks and everything Yeah. You know? uh, Not all the time, obviously. Not for soup. That would be stupid. Yeah.
0: So if I go all the way down to um, the countries where we've had one download. Excellent. We've got Thailand, Singapore, Saudi Arabia, Paraguay, Pakistan, Malaysia, Moldova, Macedonia, Montenegro, South Korea, Guernsey, Ethiopia, Algeria, Azerbaijan, and Taiwan. I'm rather disappointed in all those countries that it's only one. So we need to do something to reach. Well, I was out. going to
1: say uh, all of those are my favourite countries. I don't know about you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, what? I can care. We must. Yes, we must. Where's New Caledonia? And that's Scotland. Mm, I don't know. Is I, that I, a country? If someone had said New Caledonia, I would have thought it was out of out of uh, Judge Dread or something.
1: New Caledonia. Yeah. Or uh, Beach Boys song.
0: Yeah, we've got. We've had four downloads from the Allen Islands, which are just off Finland, I believe. That's quite really?
1: cool. Yeah, quite happy with that.
0: Come on Aland is- Islands.
1: Yeah, exactly. Do you reckon these people just like accidentally downloaded it or something? They were trying to like order breakfast, maybe. Yeah, I suspect. And then so. pressed their own button and went, Oh, i best listen to it then. Yeah, I, I suspect
0: so. I, I reckon that uh, ruins is probably yeah. very similar to a breakfast cafe name in in Sarajevo <laughs> or something, and they were looking trying try to trying to order a table for breakfast.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, very or it's, t- or it's a breakfast kind of uh, sandwich or something. It's like oh, yeah. I'll have a ruin It's very pleasant.
0: Yeah, also possible, but yeah, yeah, disappointing that they, they didn't stir for more. But no, you, know, you but, can't no. have everything. So we have we have a fairly broad listenership, and the really good thing about Spotify, having the podcast on Spotify, is you get audience demographics. Really? Which, which is kind of cool, yeah. Now, this bit... Not...
1: Because I obviously don't know it, shall I take a guess?
0: Go on then. So what's the gender split of our listeners?
1: Ooh, I would say uh, probably 80-20 male.
0: Hmm, close, but no cigar. It's 90% male. I think, That's this... quite close. Yep. female, and 1% non-binary.
1: All right, okay. Hmm.
0: Probably not entirely surprising. No. But but it would be nice to to try and address that somewhat.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So, because actually, I think we've got 40-odd patrons only. We've got two of them are women. Um, One is... uh, Transgender, I think. Um, it'd be nice to have a little bit more diversity of people listening to us. But, it would. You know. I, th- I
1: think it it's probably goes back to that the kind of demographic of fantasy stuff as well, isn't it? Or yeah, fan, very- fan, fans of, of Mocock maybe. 90% men, I don't know. It could be yeah, mistaken.
0: Yeah, I, I think um, th- there certainly are uh, some... Um, some female listeners, so um, we have a female listener in Greece. Um, shout out to Dina Lister. Um, cool. How about Age Breakdown, then?
1: Well, the thing, the this the is thing probably is a more difficult one to guess. Yeah, when I've spoken to like, a few of my friends who, who asked what the podcast was, I obviously mentioned it, it was cop based yep. and they're just a little bit blank on me, to be honest. Yeah. So I think I would say... The the lion's share would be 40 plus. Yeah. Between 40 and 60, maybe.
0: Yeah. So, as follows uh, we have a breakdown of 50%, 45 to 59. Uh, Yeah. Which is probably what we would roughly expect. That's our demographic, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, 6%. Interestingly, it says between 60 and 150. But doesn't Amazing. break it down any further than that. So I'm hoping at least at least four percent of those are over 130. That would
1: be kind Which of cool. Which would be cool, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah. It would be cool. 12 uh, percent, 35 to 44. 17 percent, 28 to 34. Eight percent, 23 to 27, and eight percent, 18 to 22. So we do have a few younger listeners, but. Again, they're probably
1: trying to order breakfast. Yes, very probably in Finland. I don't know. You know, I'm just guessing there.
0: Yeah, the Lions share are generally our demographic, and um, top five countries on Spotify: number one, United States; number two, United Kingdom; number three, Australia; number four, Denmark, which is cool; number five, Germany, and then we've got Sweden, Czech, uh, Czech Republic. Finland Ireland Canada Brazil so you know a fairly fairly
1: nice spread I was and quite surprised about that actually yeah America being like first
0: strange things have been happening recently the the daily listeners daily listenership has almost doubled and we're getting occasional spikes and um I think USA listenership is going to overtake UK probably in the next month or two because yeah. the the Lions share of the of the last couple of months have been listeners in the USA, so obviously I don't know. Maybe they think it's maybe they think we're all Sean Bean or something. Uh, I don't know. It's a it's a strange phenomenon, but I like it uh, because yeah. actually fifty uh, percent more United States listeners on Spotify than UK. So it depends on platform,
1: it appears. Yeah, Spotify. Yeah. Mm.
0: And it being Spotify, it also tells you what artists are the most popular. The five most popular artists amongst our listenership. So, any any artists spring to mind?
1: I bet you I don't like any of them,
0: <laughs> <laughs> is my guess. Well, you might be surprised. So, first, Black Sabbath.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, fair enough. Uh, second, The Beatles. Is that just everybody likes The Beatles? Maybe. Maybe, or, or it's because our listenership is as old as the Beatles. <laughs>
1: or actually are the, are Beatles.
0: the Beatles. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh,
1: Brian Eno. I like a bit of Brian. Yeah. He's uh, not not that rocking, but I like him for a bit of chilling.
0: Yeah. Uh, slight surprise, Eminem. Yeah. I yeah. like Eminem. Yeah. And finally, Blue Oyster Cult.
1: Which, weirdly, I have been playing Dutfee uh, Fear the Reaper on the loop at the moment. Ah. I was doing a Fall of Delta Green playlist. Yeah. And uh, that was on it because it's just a really good song.
0: Yeah. So, for our non gaming listeners, what is Fall of Delta Green?
1: Uh, well, it's a role playing game based in the 60s where you play kind of FBI 60s agents investigating gnarly things.
0: And it's it's kind of spin-off of uh, Delta Green, the main RPG, which is was originally a spin-off of Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. yeah. Um, so,
1: yeah, I just thought I'd put together a, a playlist.
0: Yeah. Well, so there you go. Some Spotify factoids. Now, in terms of our most popular episodes, this is possibly inevitable because they've been out the longest. But number one in terms of downloads is... Elric of Melnibonere, Part 1. Classic. Actually, by quite some distance. Is it? Yeah. And um, uh, The Dreaming City is second. But surprisingly, third and fourth, and not far behind The Dreaming City, are Wizardry and Wild Romance, which was only released probably three or four months ago. So that the Dirk? Um, I suspect that's the Dirk effect. Yeah. And Sven Hassel, Wheels of Terror, Part 1. Sven. Yeah. Mm, yeah, so uh, another surprise. And when you factor in YouTube listens and hours listened, it may surprise you to learn that hands down, once all platforms are considered, the most popular episode of this podcast is the Wheels of Terror one.
1: Which is weird, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Closely followed by the rats. So when you consider all platforms, the most popular two episodes are Wheels of Terror and last year's Halloween special... On the rats.
1: So, what you're doing wrong is you're concentrating too much on Michael Moorcock, whereas you just need to do rats and Sven Hassel.
0: Yeah, well, I think what it certainly evidences is is that there is definitely a market for Sven Hassel and rat related podcasting.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And it's funny that there is, you know, I mean, Sven Hassel only wrote like 11, 12 books, and there isn't a Sven Hassel podcast out there. And I don't think there's a, a James Herbert podcast out there, although some podcasts have covered James Herbert books. So, yeah. One of Is those that because you'd have to
1: read a lot of James Herbert books? Yeah. Perhaps. Just yeah,
0: very probably. For all the fans out there, you know, yeah. all the best. You'd run out of books quite quickly as well, because it's not
1: like you wrote hundreds like Moorcock did. No, I think I've read a couple. Did he do The Spear? Yeah. Yeah, I read The Spear. Which, which
0: would was... make a really good Delta Green game.
1: It would, yeah. I think we probably did that, to be honest, at some point. Mm. But yeah. Well, the other thing I noticed about you know some of the podcast, the crabs based one, is how many books you wrote about giant crabs. I couldn't, yeah. couldn't believe it. I many. mean, you'd think you'd think like one you could probably get away with, and people go, "Oh yeah, giant crabs, I love that." About ten books later, it's like you need to move on to maybe prawns or something or <laughs> lobsters, <laughs> you know, some other crustaceans. Anyway, yeah, not read them. You obviously. know what?
0: If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> That's what I say. If
1: you've got one idea, yeah. milk it yeah. for as long as you
0: can. Well, and, and to be fair to Guy, he, he probably wrote more books than Morcock. Were they mostly it, about Krabs? It was no, no. I, th- I think Krabs probably accounted for maybe eight to ten percent of his output, <laughs> if that. Uh, but yeah. no, he, and, and we'll we've, we've recorded a an a, a Guy and Smith extra, which might come out before this or maybe just after. And um, he wrote all sorts of things, including things like Disney adaptations under a pseudonym.
1: Did he crowbar crabs into it? I don't know. Did he do Little Mermaid?
0: (laughs) No, but he did do Song of the South. I think I know that one. Yeah, Song of the South is the super controversial Disney film, which is not available because it's horrifically racist. Amazing. Yeah, Uh, but hopefully he crowbarred some giant crabs into there. Well,
1: take away from the racism. Yeah.
0: So, we've talked a little bit about the podcast, um, and we're going to go on and reflect a little bit on the last couple of years, but... I think it's time for the second
1: roll on the Wandering Beer oh, yeah. Table. Have you decked yours? I, I have
0: indeed. You could always put it aside and actually use some of it as a palate cleanser, as originally intended. But but I am going to roll the Di- right. D20 for the Wandering Beer Table. And I have rolled a 9, which is the same beer, so I've got to roll again. I have rolled an 18, a critical. Oh, no. Yes, I have rolled a critical. And that means it's wild card number 2. And in my case, that is, and I quote, a Heaven Bourbon BA Honeycomb Chocolate Stout at 12%. <laughs> oh, to
1: get the other ones.
0: God's preserved me. So let's see what it says. So it says, The earthy warmth of oak and bourbon combine with the distinct sweetness of honeycomb and vanilla in this thick chocolate stout. Aged in our single malt barrels for
1: six months. So I've gone for a, a Keys Caramel Fudge Stout Jack Daniels edition. Uh. So an Imperial Stout. Clocking in at 11.5. Oof. Describing itself as, if I had my glasses, I could read it. That is what Master Brewer So-and-So, owner of the Pure... no, no that's just the Pure and Craft section. Doesn't tell me a lot actually. I think it's all on the front of the tin. Right. So it's yeah. it's
0: just, it's going to speak for itself straight out the glass.
1: Yeah. I've got a feeling. It's like pouring treacle.
0: Of- I must say, I'm looking at mine and all I can think is if, if Swarfiga made beer. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm going in. Santa Maria. Oh, really? <laughs>
1: <laughs> the humanity.
0: Yeah. Um, it's so sweet. Yeah, this this is um, uh, it's an acquired taste. <laughs> I think is probably the fairest thing to say about it. Yeah. Do, does it does it t- Is there a hint of bourbon? Yes, there is on the nose, very much so. But it is very sweet, very yeah. syrupy. And God help us if this gets to room temperature, because it will be absolutely oh, it's gonna be, undrinkable. It's going to be hideous,
1: isn't it? This one is um, caramel fudge stout, yeah. which obviously I'm a big fan of stout and porter. Yeah, not so much when somebody puts a cake in it.
0: No, and don't get me wrong, I love stout and I love yeah. porters. I'm just not entirely convinced when I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what I'm drinking. It doesn't really taste of honeycomb. It's warming, but I think that's largely because of the alcohol content.
1: Yeah, it's it's like drinking. It's definitely like drinking a cake. Yeah, and it does give you that warming gouty feeling. Yeah, yeah it's high is, blood it, pressure job.
0: Yeah, it is like gout in a glass.
1: Yeah, yeah. I can imagine. It, I can't. I'm trying to work out a time when I'd ever drink it. Apart from doing a podcast with you, I can't really see any kind of... What do you well, think, with a pudding? I don't know. I
0: have come to the conclusion that the only time I drink ridiculous beer like this is when we do this. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'd do it for fun, which actually suggests that do, I don't podcast for fun, so that's probably the wrong way of putting yeah. it.
1: Yeah. I think it's part of the uh, de rigueur, isn't it? Mm. Yours hasn't even got a head on it.
0: No, it has, it has poured out like... It just kind of slid out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, slightly viscousy. Yeah, and like, now it's like meconium.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and now it's just eyeing me. It's giving me yeah. side eye. Right. Okay. So <laughs> let's let's try and take our minds off this glass of whatever the fuck we are drinking. So in the last couple of years, three good things we've read or watched in the field of the genre of pulp or sci-fi or fantasy or any of those things that we're into.
1: Yeah, something when it comes to books. So. You'd think, like, during a pandemic, you'd probably read loads. Mm. And my wife is a avid reader. Neither of us have hardly read anything mm. over two years. It's ridiculous, really. Mm. I've been listening to audiobooks, because that's the laziest thing I can kind of... I can listen to a book, usually fall asleep, rewind it, mm. listen to the same chapter about eight times. But I've just been going through a, an Ian Fleming phase. Ah. So I also... I got the audiobook of Colonel's Son because I've never read that. The Kingsley Amos Bond yeah. book, which is very strange. Mm. And then On Unimagining Secret Service, which I've never read either. And mm. the audiobook was uh, David Tennant, and it was really good. Oh, right. And it's actually a really good book.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, they don't really bear much resemblance to the films,
1: do they? Well, this one, to be honest, the- obviously I know the film pretty well. I really like the film, despite George Lazenby. Oh,
0: <laughs> sweet Jesus and all the baby <laughs> angels.
1: That's what Lazenby would have said. Yeah. Um, um,
0: well, I, I love I, I love Animations Secret Service. I think it's hands down the best Bond film, and I think George Lazenby would have got better with time. I think he's yeah, a little he, bit wooden. It's a bit weird that he's dubbed by is it Jack Hawkins for for a for part of it, which is very odd. Is he? Yeah. All, all the that. bit where is where he's being hilly. Whereas he's oh, got right, his, his, okay. his kilt on and he's being Hillary. Because he, visit, he visits M, doesn't he? And M's. I really love it because he visits M and M's mounting butterflies. And it's the first time no. you see M outside of. On, until Judy Dench time. Yeah. You see Bernard Lee M. at his house mounting butterflies. And he goes to visit him. And then he goes to visit the doctor whose identity he takes on. He, yes,
1: he does. That, Hillary. That's absolutely different to the book. The yeah. They've got um, the. The heraldry expert, who's quite a, quite a good character as well.
0: Yeah, and it's not Jack Hawkins; it's George Baker, isn't it? Who plays the Doctor? I think it's George Baker. So yeah, George Baker actually voiced James Bond for about a third of a film, which is quite odd. I think it's George yeah. Baker. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I fucking love it. I think he looks the part. He's he's absolutely ripped. He's handsome. He looks fucking great when he when he rescues tracy at the beach at the beginning he looks absolutely terrific i think it's beautifully directed the music's fantastic the aston martin is gorgeous it is is pretty Um, good yeah i love it i I think it's got one of the best soundtracks as well and 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 of course the end is just you know to die for isn't it i even like telus of alice as uh i think he's really good even though he is basically just playing telus of alice (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, but he did not
1: need to do anything else, No, he? not really. The, the thing is, they did it out of order, didn't they, really? They should have done, I think it was, you no, You Only Live Twice was before on a Secret Service, wasn't it? It should be the other way around because of books. Are right. On a Major Secret Service, and then, yeah, You Only Live Twice is when he starts hunting down mm-hmm. foam. Yeah. Right, okay. But anyway, so, so I was listening to that. That was really good, yeah. uh, which brings me on to probably No Time to Die, which is probably one of my, I was waiting for that for some time to watch that. I mm-hmm. uh, loved that, thought it was ace. A lot of people I know like, well, it's not a Bond film, is it? It's like, well, it's a Bond film now. If you you not do a Roger Moore film now, well, I wouldn't watch it for a start, but, yeah. um, you know, yeah, I just thought it was really good quality. It was very long. Well, the Bond always assistant. changes with time, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Of Doctor it does, No is a
0: completely different James Bond to Live and Let Die, is a completely different James Bond to License to Kill All the Living Daylights, which is a completely different James Bond to any it's of the Brosnan's Pierce Brosnan, Brosnan ones. I yeah. mean, fucking hell, you, know, you don't want Die Another Day again, do you? No. I don't, no. No, good lord, no. And no, I thought <laughs> it was really good. I, I, and it didn't feel like it, didn't feel its length. No.
1: Um, but I enjoyed it. In the, the cinema I went to was. Um, a kind of a little independent cinema in in Manchester, and uh, they had an submission completely. Yeah. Yeah, very which was good, so I was drinking wine throughout, and uh, ran out. Yeah. Went to have a piss, got a wine. Second half of the film it worked quite nicely. Mm.
0: I wasn't really, didn't really have very high hopes for it, because although at the time, I, I really liked Skyfall when I first saw it, on a second watch, I thought it fell to bits. And Spectre on a first watch, I thought it was awful. I just thought it was really poor. I thought it was
1: actually better though when I watched it again.
0: Well, when I watched it again, and I, I didn't have to react negatively to Blufelt being his stepbrother or whatever, which was yeah, exactly. Once fucking that- bollocks. <laughs> Uh, yeah. what, what Once I, I, I didn't have to react to that nonsense. Um, actually, it was all right. It wasn't It was it wasn't
1: a bad film at all. The beginning bit's amazing that filmed mm. the, the, oh, the, day the, day the Day of the Dead, Dead thing, piece. Yeah. It's just amazing. It's just, yeah. so, so well filmed. Yeah, yeah but so sort of, of the Day, really enjoyed that. Dying of the Day. Dying of the Day. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, didn't enjoy that. No yeah. It's that caramel fudge stout. Yeah, it's got you need to knock on. it on the head. Yeah. <laughs> Good God, I do. Yeah. Uh, so it was... That I went to see Suicide Squad, which mm. I really enjoyed. I thought it was really funny. Mm-hmm. I was just laughing about the weasel guy f- probably for about 10 minutes. And yeah. I thought uh, John Cena and it was really funny.
0: I liked Polka Dot Man. <laughs> I thought if, if we'd ever run uh, a superhero role-playing game, Polka Dot Man would have been one of our characters. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: And possibly the weasel. Yeah. Yeah, I did laugh. I went with my son Dylan, and the he, uh, he thought it was hilarious as well. Mm. So both got quite pure elf humor. Yeah. So even the first 10 minutes, I was guffawing throughout. It was just really funny.
0: Yeah, I liked it uh, when Nathan Fillion's arms came off and he was just <laughs> completely useless. <laughs> just yeah. Absolutely amazing that that was actually a character in a comic. It's just brilliant. Yeah. Um, although yeah. I did see someone, um, I think it was Sardonicus on Twitter posted a picture of him today from the comic. And he says, behold, I can detach my arms. And he pulls his arm off, and the, and the sound effect is plop. Which <laughs> <laughs> was rather amusing. Plop is, a, plop is a comic sound effect that needs to get used more yeah, often. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yes. uh, I, I kind of enjoyed, um, I, I did enjoy No Time to Die. And I, I didn't mind the ending either, I thought, I thought it would. No, I honestly. don't like the ending as
1: well. Uh, uh, and I watched Dune recently. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh, my. I've had, I've had toothache all day, and this is just like it, it, I might as well just like punch myself in the face <laughs> drinking this. Like, yeah, at least
0: we know we're getting them out of the way. Yeah, it, it, it can only go up from here. It you could only go up from here. I've seen what we've got. Well, yeah. Let's uh, oh, let's not just, let's not spoil it. Yeah. So so yeah, I mean. So that was we're, we're trying to do a review of the last two and a, two and a bit years, but all I can think of is stuff from <laughs> the last two months as well, because my memory is absolute shit.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's terrible, and that's the thing, isn't it? I've tried reading a couple of kind of new books, and I've got the Joe Abercrombie, the the second one of the new trilogy. The yeah. first one I liked. Second one I've not opened. Yeah, uh, yeah. just because I can't be honest, to be honest. Yeah. Um, started reading Sailor and Seeds of Fate* the other day. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, we're going to so cover, cover that, that in the new year. year, aren't we? Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah that's, that. that's gonna and be. I be think next probably
1: the only books I've read are the ones we've podcasted, to be honest. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I should point out to everybody that the last time Loz was on, we did actually roll some dice and select a couple of short stories from the *White Wolf* collections, which we were supposed to cover. Yeah. But
1: uh, uh, yeah, they're a bit.
0: The, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah the, it didn't really excite me to talk about them, so we just thought we'd skip it and go straight back to Sailor on the of Fate.
1: Yeah, which yeah. I think is historically, for me, the first Elric book I read. Yeah, so. Yeah, well, let's save that for when yeah, we do. Yeah, it. exactly. Yeah. So, so about you then in the. Oh, Squid Games, quite enjoyed that. Yeah. And, uh, Kingdom oh. Fun, quite enjoyed that. Yeah, that was grim, wasn't it? It was, wasn't it? it yeah. No laughs there, wasn't it? No. And no. a very unusual protagonist-stroke anti-hero. Yeah, yeah. And so, a really weird ending.
0: Yeah, so the, just for everybody's benefit, we, there's a series on Netflix called... Uh, is it Kingdom or The Kingdom? Kingdom. I can't yeah. Kingdom. Korean period drama with zombies in it, which is absolutely amazing. fucking terrific. And really And there's a, amazing. kind of a spin-off film from it on Netflix, which is excellent, very grim. Yeah. Perhaps lacks a little bit of, you know, Kingdom's not a comedy, but it does have a wry sense of humour as it goes. Well, there ain't no fucking comedy no, <laughs> in no, that no. movie. Well, yeah, it's it super, super me a grim.
1: Of, um, the end of it reminded me a bit of 13 Assassins, but yeah. with millions of zombies. Yeah. yeah, It was, yeah, it just reminded me of that. So that was good. Apart from that, I've just been watching probably non-genre stuff, really. Mm. I've, oh yeah, we probably should touch on Wheel of Time. Yeah, I think we'll end up
0: touching on Wheel of Time on, on a couple of occasions. Because, So for me, last couple of years, um, I can't remember if 90% of what I've read because um, mm. my brain is completely knackered. Um, but the, the things that have really leapt up and impressed me this last year or so, Ralph Lovegrove invited me on the Fictoplasm podcast. And I read, Brilliant. I read *Roadside Picnic* for the first time in twenty years, and uh, and because I was reading *Roadside Picnic*, I also watched the Tarkovsky film *Stalker*, which is based on *Roadside Picnic*.
1: I've seen and it or read the book. To be honest,
0: I strongly recommend reading *Roadside Picnic* and watching the film. The film is its own thing, in many mm. ways, um, but essentially the story is that it, it, in the book, it's just kind of um, it's it's kind of almost starts. Um, What's the expression when something starts mid-action? Um, in media res. In media res. So it starts in media res, and basically, it's it's a uh, it's a country where there were there was some kind of alien visitation, and they arrived. Nobody could figure out what was going on. They didn't communicate with anybody, and they left. And the zones where they arrived and left um, have weird and wonderful artifacts and things that alter. The flow of existence and the nature of reality, and there yes. are, yeah, and there are stalkers, people are called stalkers who go into the zones to try and get these things to sell them to collectors of, yeah. of uh, who are a whole variety of different motives. It's it's an absolutely fascinating book that's kind of split into parts where the the effect on the stalkers and the effect on. Um, the world outside the zone kind of takes on new dimensions as time goes by. And it's it's a brilliant book. The film is a lot more stripped back and a lot and, and, and much much more bare experience, um mm. but but just absolutely fucking beautiful. It's done by Andrew Tarkovsky, who did Solaris. And yeah. I actually think it's a better film than Solaris. I do like Solaris. I like Solaris a lot, but Stalker is just one of the most beautifully shot. Kind of contemplative science fiction movies, I think ever. No. It's it's absolutely wonderful, and I got the Criterion Blu-ray, and and that's absolutely fantastic. Um, tried to get Phil to watch it with me.
1: No, she no, won't no, have no. it. No. And
0: and and that's that's just kind of made me um, really made me think about Tarkovsky novels again, because I watched a film based upon one of their books called Hard to Be a God," which came out on Blu-ray a couple of years ago which is, um, if you want a film that captures the filth of medieval Europe in the most beautifully distinct and vivid way, hard to be a god, you will never beat it. It's a Russian film um, that was made over quite a protracted period of time, had, had various interruptions, and everybody in that film is every single extra, and every single actor is so committed to this world that they're, they're occupying, it's, it's completely unique, unlike ev- anything I've ever seen. And the essential yeah. story to that is that it's like a world with medieval level of technology, and there are some scientists from Earth who are there, who are essentially living as part of this medieval society uh, as an experiment, and to actually take notes. I really need to read the books. The, undoubtedly, the film will be its own thing. But um, I need to read the book to get more of a handle on what's going on. So I would very much recommend you uh, get your hands on How to Be a God, the film, and give that a look. Probably watch it on your own. I don't think it's particularly family friendly film. No. Uh, Phil okay. watched about 40, 40 minutes with me and said, oh, I can't watch this. I
1: <laughs> 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 just, just went elsewhere. She, she gave me 40 minutes of it, then.
0: Yeah, yeah, she managed 40 minutes. Uh, it's just yeah it's brilliant so that was good it was a good experience being asked on another podcast as well and ralph was really really gracious asking me to go yeah. on i i really enjoyed it i had a really good time i think again it's it's hard to kind of think back to to things one has enjoyed in the last couple of years because my memories so terrible but no, yeah, i definitely. i am going to give a shout out to uh, a it's not exactly well it's a genre film but it's not not the genre we tend to deal with on this podcast but i became obsessed with a film called the greasy strangler
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i think I've seen the poster. Yeah, uh,
0: I won't go into it. I'll just encourage everybody who's listening to this to watch the trailer for the Greasy Strangler, and uh, and you'll you'll either be into it or you won't. <laughs> Which but, I think's put
1: yeah yeah with that title. It's probably right, isn't it? Yeah,
0: it's it's astonishing, uh, and again, unlike anything I've ever seen. And uh, I've got my dad the Blue for Christmas because I reckon my dad will love it. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got to, I've got to warn him. Don't watch it with mum. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you do. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really bombed out. And um, I don't know other, other things that I've been looking at. Well, uh, again, as a result of of doing this this podcast, the last show that came out was uh, with a guy Andrew Net, aka Pulp Curry, about his book Dangerous Visions and New Worlds: oh, yeah. Radical yeah. Science Fiction from the 50s to the 80s, and. Reading through that and reading the articles, there are so many crazy pulp genre fiction things that completely pass me by. Just like Guy and Smith pass me by. I used to read The Rats, read a bit of Stephen King, mostly unfortunate experiences with Stephen (laughs) King. I I read The Stand all the way through. I will never fucking forgive Stephen King for the end of The Stand, so I've never really read much else by Stephen King. Yeah, don't. Great first half, second half is a bit... uh... (laughs) <laughs> bit good versus evil, yeah. you know, Bit, bit, I don't know if you call it cliched, but the end is fucking garbage. It's like, I think... you read 700 pages and think, hang on a minute, there's only like three pages left. What, <laughs> what, can possibly what could possibly happen? And uh,
1: uh, honestly, it I oh think I know what God. the ending is now, actually, you mention
0: it. Yeah, it is the worst kind of Deus Ex Machina kind of ending I've ever come across. Ever, yeah. Do you reckon and,
1: it was just that? I've written, written seven hundred. Well, it's for, I, like I you know,
0: the end of Night of the Crabs was disappointing, but at least it was only under <laughs> forty fucking pages. You know,
1: disappointing shit, the crabs won.
0: And shit, don't get me started on the end of Crabs Moon. There's a we've got a whole <laughs> podcast on that coming up, or you've heard it already, depending on uh, the order these things come out. So yeah, but the, the really great thing about doing that podcast was it encouraged me to look at things like. Um, and I won't go over it all again because it's it's in the previous show but all the output of publishers like new english new english library so all those crazy books like the skinhead books and and say you Bastard and you nice bastard the gf newman books but there was there was a um, a whole kind of subgenre of of hell's angels books <laughs> And and Andrew put me on to one called Angels from Hell. So I couldn't get the original NEL edition, but I got the omnibus edition of all four Angels from Hell books by Mick Norman. And they're <laughs> they're about they're set in the future where there's like a sort of a crypto fascist English government clamping down on cancer cultures like hippies and bikers. So this guy, this ex army bloke, Decides to join a biker gang to try and infiltrate and take it over from within, and then use it as an anti-authority tool to rebel and strike against the fascist government from right. the Welsh hills. It's course uh, okay. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's quite out there, and because it's written in the seventies and it's super exploitative, it's bang out of order from just about <laughs> the first page. It's, but it's it's uh, it's it's hugely entertaining and and written in like a really kind of compulsive page-turner fashion. So I'm, I'm just... I'm a little bit into that at the moment. And then
1: I, I got... um, It's quite niche.
0: Yeah. And 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 just as niche, I got a, a series of three books about... And, and how the fuck these pass me by, I'll never know either. They're Corgi, published by with those Ace 70s photo... or 80s photo covers, where basically they just got some bloke, put him in a Macintosh gave him a fake pistol and put him in front of a wire fence near a factory <laughs> and to strike three different poses. And that was the cover of the three different books. And they're about um, the resistance to Soviet-occupied Britain Brilliant. in the 1970s. And I'm like, how, how on earth did these pass me by at the time? Because they would have been right up my street
1: in the 80s. Nice. You know? I'm surprised it was a TV show, to
0: be honest. Well, you know, it, what the covers reminded me of, they were like a photo cover version. Do you remember that Tracer novel by Stuart Jackson? Yeah, yeah.
1: That, that was we
0: crazy. read in the 90s? The, the, the covers should like look like a photo, photo version of that cover. And I really should, I've still got that book. I really should dig that out and give it another look because I remember really enjoying it at the time. Yeah, I lent it to you it, and you I? enjoyed it at the time. So, yeah. really interesting. So, just, just again, for, for everybody's benefit, there was, we read a book in the 90s and I used it as the partial basis for a twilight 2000 sort of game that i ran for a while um and it was set in a future fascist britain where the aids epidemic had, had um, got really out of hand so it was like an aids epidemic horror story almost but the fascist government was basically locking everybody up in uh, in, in detention centers and death camps run by special health authorities um, That's right. Yeah. And it was, it was uh, but it was, you know, this guy uncovers this massive government conspiracy, and it was uh, it was really good at the time. I'm glad to dig it yeah, out and read yeah. it
1: again. I enjoyed it at the time. Yeah,
0: yeah. It was good. So I mean, you know, what, what else has there been? Well, I think you you very very briefly touched on Dune, and once yeah. again, our memory of the last two years all gets compacted into the last three weeks. Yeah, uh, pretty
1: much. But yeah, what did you make of Dune? Uh, it looked very nice. Hmm. Well, the the thing about Dune for me was like it was two hours like twenty odd. Mm. and did half a book. Mm. And then the David Lynch one was about two hours 20-odd and did a full book Mm. plus some comedy added
0: bits. Yeah, and was largely incoherent.
1: Yeah, obviously, yeah. Yeah. But they were the bits I liked. But I think um, all the stuff that was added in, I don't think necessarily enhanced the film much. Mm. So you, you kind of wasted... Half an hour getting to the Fremen, hmm. and that half an hour could have been used with the Fremen and hmm. moved it on a bit for me. It yeah. looked really good, the cast was all good, but I did yeah. miss certain bits. Yeah, because I know the June, the, the Lynch version, so much. Yeah, I missed like I almost missed the thinking aloud bit,
0: but I mm. didn't. Yeah, I
1: had it in my head, yeah, um, so I didn't need it, but it was, um, yeah. I... I I enjoyed it, and I want to see the next one, Mm. so that's good. And it looked amazing, but I don't think... I think some of the David Lynch sets were better, to be honest. Yeah. I thought Baron Harkonnen was a bit rubbish. Yeah. Compared Um, to the post-David Lynch version. Well, yeah,
0: weirdly, I think the best Baron Harkonnen is the TV miniseries one, played by Ian McNeese. Yeah. he he's not got a mustache, but he's a mustache twirling villain, which he is in the books. He you is, know, yeah. he's extravagant. Well, yeah, the, the Skarsgård uh, Baron was something lacking there. I, I hope, and <laughs> I hope you get more out of him in, in the second movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was visually yeah, yeah. fantastic. It took my mum and dad to see it. I think the last time I took them to cinema was to see Prometheus. And the last time yeah. I took them to cinema before that was. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein by Kenneth Branagh. Uh, so I've not seen with that often in the last 20 years. But yeah, I enjoyed it. It was interesting to get my mum's my take on it because, you know, she's seen the Dune movie. I think she yeah. read Dune like 30 or 40 years ago because my mum read quite a lot of fantasy in the 70s because she liked The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, so she tried other bits yeah. and pieces as well. And I, kind of, I had to agree with her a little bit, really. So, you know, the, the David Lynch film, design-wise... It's fucking spectacular. It's yeah, absolutely, yeah, exactly. absolutely beautiful. The 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 miniature model work, the map paintings, bus um,
1: yeah,
0: all all absolutely superb, astonishing. Okay, some of the special effects look a little bit funky. The but I, you know I really like the giant vagina mouth Guild Navigator. I think it, I think it looks fantastic. I do, yeah. That, yeah.
1: that was a bit I missed almost. Yeah, I, I, it's it's, it's just, just so really cool super weird as well. Yeah, Yeah. it's like a massive weird fish man in a tank. And I I
0: like the dudes who kind of wander around after his tank, half assedly hoovering up the goo, but missing most of it.
1: (laughs) And going, "Mm." Yeah, And I love the (laughs) fact that the translator for them is out of sync. It's amazing. It's just like, it takes a while for the translator machine to work.
0: Yeah, all all, all the technology is great, everything looks good. But interestingly, uh, I, I found a torrent of it. There's there is a version of Dune. There's a few fan edit versions of Dune, and there's one where basically every single scrap of anything Dune related from any of the different versions, the TV version, deleted scenes, is yeah. all piled in together, which is okay to a degree. But there's one called the Spice Diver Edit, where a guy is taken everything that's available and tried to make something coherent. Right. And it's, and it's, so it's got tons of scenes in it. It's, it's got, um, the Scene, for example, you know, not just when Gane is playing his ballast set, lots more scenes with a Fremen, lots more scenes with a Fremen Reverend Mother, um, more scenes with just about every character that flesh it out. Some of the visual quality is a bit patchy on some of them because they're not yeah. restored, but it, it extends the length to about three hours 20 minutes or three hours 15 minutes or something like that. And it's absolutely incredible how much more coherent the David Lynch version becomes with all those oh, yeah, additions, yeah. It's really, really good, but I think going back to the Veil Nerve one, I think it looks terrific, but there's just something a little bit bland about some of the design.
1: I, I just thought the, the the bit for me was if you think about the the main kind of beats of, of that film, you've got obviously the takeover, the Sadar car coming in, yep. basically the Duke getting taken out, which is like a that's the main point, isn't it? And then yep. he goes off to the desert, so that's the kind of where you hit the the top of the arc, and it was done really slowly mm. and not very exciting. And the Duke just basically just goes for a bit of a wander, doesn't he? And goes, Oh, terrible. I've been trapped by, by Huey. It was just, I just thought it was a bit, yeah. I, that's I don't that's know. pretty much how it happens in the book. It is, know. but he didn't then go, The truth, the truth, which, you know, <laughs> yeah. which I did miss.
0: Yeah, yeah. I want to say Dean Stockwell's weird front teeth. Yeah and, exactly. and, and his wet lips. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and, uh, I missed, and I missed miss and I miss the mentor uh sitting at my <laughs> mind in motion by the whatever of Saboo. I don't even know Yeah, yeah. Is, that, is that in the book? I can't remember.
0: Um no, I don't think it is. is that, uh, and that was brilliant. Yeah. Br- Brad Doriff in his little uh cable yeah. car. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Drinking yeah. like is, is weird. The lips are
0: quite a stain. Yeah, it's, it's, stain. it's by the juice <laughs> of Sabo, the lips are quite stains, the thought the thoughts are quite a speed. No, the thought's quite speed. The look's quite stern. The stern's become a ward, and it is by will
1: alone I set my mind in motion. Yeah, amazing. Who, um, who, who wrote that? David Lynch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's brilliant. Yeah. and it was little bits like that, which because I read the book, I've read the book a few times, but I've not read it for ages. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, was that David Lynch or was that yeah. actually in the
0: book? Yeah, yeah, no, it's David Lynch, and well, and, and the Baron being covered covered in in pustules and all that business. Actually, there is there is yeah. there is a reason why that why he's kind of extrapolated the baron of the books. Yeah. Because the the baron in the books, you know, used to be like a fucking super gorgeous hunk of a guy, but he got poisoned and, you know, and just kind of became this absolute mess and has to be kept alive by his doctors. Yeah. Uh, so David Lynch just took that to the nth degree and made yeah, it, it really had it did, covered yeah. in pustules and, and, and taking showers in black goo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and having heart plugs through his servants. Yeah, 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 and and, and and
0: milking cats and oh yeah, all that wild stuff. So all yeah, all the classics. I, I think the the Deadly Villain of one, whilst I really like it for what it is, I think it just lacks a little. You know, not literally, but it lacks a bit of colour. It lacks a bit of vibrancy, and there yeah. are th- there are things in in the TV miniseries version, which obviously the special effects. Cheap, even though at the time it won, it won awards, you know, for a TV yeah. series. But some of the effects now look pretty, pretty clunky, and um, some of the CGI is really bad. But actually, the barons fucking great, and it has certain key scenes in it which make, for example, arrakis feel really, really alive. One of the, one of the biggest beefs for me about the film is they arrive at Arakeen and it doesn't feel like yeah. a city. At all, no. It doesn't feel like a city. It doesn't feel like a population center. It's got no life to it, and, and even the shots are
1: like that, aren't they? they that's right. Like blade Runner. It it's, might as well um,
0: be. The, it might as well be the surface of the Death Star. Yeah, yeah the, the shots over Arakeen. Just a sandy version of the Death Star. There's no life to it at all. Yeah. yeah. But on the other hand, some like you know the designs of the hardware and all that business, the and um, the carryalls, the spice harvesters, all that looks fucking superb, and the ornithopters are just yeah. brilliant. Really, really wonderful. Yeah. But it just lacks a little bit of life. And there's, there's a scene in the book which is... It's not in the Lynch version, even in, in any of the deleted scenes, and it's not in the Villeneuve version, but it's in the TV miniseries. And that's the dinner party scene uh, at the palace at Arakeen after, they, after they've taken over, where in the book you get a real sense of all the political machinations and movers and shakers, the smugglers... The water traders, and you get a sense of what the, like the the, the dark economy, is yeah. on Arrakis, and where all the corruption is, and you get them in the miniseries. It's it's, it's not like a, a literal translation of the scene in the book. It's more about how how Paul and Irielan meet and and find out each other's positions, but it's still there, and it makes Arakeen feel alive. I think it's a real shame that they missed that opportunity in the film, but yeah,
1: you know, and it, and the emperor as well, you know. That's the thing with with the Lynch one. At least you get to understand why.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think it is basically the Emperor is basically Basil exposition in the David Lynch version. Which it's it's interesting that you see the Emperor, but the scene with him and and him and the um, the Navigator, even though it absolutely looks brilliant in terms as a scene, it's (laughs) it's just it's just exposition. It's it's just the Emperor basically explaining the entire plot.
1: Yeah, but in this one, there wasn't one, was it? It's all of a sudden going, yeah, I need some Sardaukar warriors. Yeah, we'll, we'll go to that planet, which looked pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't mind that. I thought all the Seleucus Kunda stuff with the you know, the, the guys who haven't made the cut being sacrificed upside down so they can daub the Sardaukar with their blood and the weird <laughs> Mongolian <laughs> throat singing and all that. Well, I thought that was all really, really cool. I really like all yeah. that. And I, and I like the film the, the fact that the Villeneuve film just allows it all to, you know, it's not like they're hiding anything. You know, It's, no. it's there's, there's a sense of foreboding right from the very start about what's going on and then when it all does kick off, Kicks it's, off yeah. it's fine. But much as I'm fond of the Lynch version, that Emperor Navigator scene is basically an idiot's guide mm-hmm. to what's going on.
1: I think it needed it, though, to be honest. But oh, if, fuck yeah, because without uh, yeah. that
0: scene, you wouldn't have a Scooby-Doo what was going on in that movie. No, 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 I
1: remember watching it as a, as a kid going, this is quite horrific. Um, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Read the book, and I watched it with my mum and dad uh, when it was on telly or something. And uh, I had to explain what was going on throughout the entire film. Yeah. So mum was like, "Who's he? Why is he doing that? Yeah. Who are the Landsrad? Who's this? You know, what? Who are Chome? Yes, <laughs> like because when you read the book, it's like, holy crap! Yeah, it's like, yeah. Well, fortunately, you've got but, appendices,
0: haven't you? The, the, yeah, the, the, exactly. Um, I, yeah. I, I challenge you to actually say what Chom stands for. It's not going to happen.
1: No. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm no. not going to lie to you. I'm not going to try. No. I think that's probably wise. I've nearly finished this beer, though. Oh, ro- oh right. Oh, gee, oh, you
0: fucker. Are you, are you making me down this? I'm being oh, rinsed this one. Oh, God. Sweet Jesus. Before you go, let's roll a dice. And while you're over there, you can get the next beer out. So yeah. it's, your, it's your turn to roll.
1: May the dice be with me.
0: 11. 11. Roll again. We've had that one.
1: 18. Eight, oh, eight, well, yeah, eight, we've eight, had
0: nine. that one. Roll again. Six. Six. Okay, so six is... It's not a fumble, but it is a Camden Marmite Ale. Holy
1: crap. At least it's not going to be sweet. Yeah. The ah! Thing.
0: Fuck this beer. Oh, God, there's, <laughs> there's, weird, there's weird sediment in the bottom.
1: Enjoy the magic. Gods above. Dear listeners,
0: I do not recommend Heaven Bourbon Beer Honeycomb Chocolate Stout. By Northern Monk. I mean, God bless you, Northern Monk. I've had some good beers, but that really isn't a quiet taste. In your own time, Barefield.
1: How's it smelling? It smells like dog food. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> which, which is quite an inspiring yeah. smell, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is this podcast is made you drinking shit beer. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, to be yeah. fair, if if I'd never actually struck on the Morcock angle, that probably would have been all the that was.
1: <laughs>
0: so at least we we'll yeah, managed to exactly. combine, you know, kill two birds with one stone.
1: Right. Honestly, that that fudge caramel
0: stout. Yeah. I think I I might actually have a serious beef with Northern Monk. over <laughs> that. And uh, God, it's gone to my head. Yeah, this one's gone cool. right That's to my good. head. But anyway. Um, we've, I've been sitting on these Camden Marmite Ales for quite some time now, waiting mm. for this opportunity, and I've had them in the kitchen, and I have not touched them because I've been waiting to share one with you. So, right. let's go. Marmite Ales. How can it possibly fail? You, uh, well...
1: In many ways.
0: Well, I think I think we could probably answer that question. It can. It can fail. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Spectacularly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not entirely Ugh.
0: not entirely sure what I'm drinking here. Uh, <laughs>
1: it crosses between a
0: drink and so basically, if if you take a, a, a dark or brown ale, remove all beer flavour and replace I can't it even with it. what? Well, it Don't taste a Marmite. No, which is probably a bonus, but does this... well. I like Marmite, so I'm quite disappointed.
1: Yeah, I like Marmite, but not in a drink.
0: This tastes like. If you tried to make brown ale taste of coal dust,
1: because <laughs> many people have tried. Before. Yeah,
0: yeah. Take that, take that, Jilly Golden. Yeah, mm, I'm getting notes of dog food and uh, coal dust. Yeah, but not beer. That said, after that last fucking travesty, it's, it's actually like quite easy to drink. Way, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually quite refreshing. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so. Agenda item three, Mr. Barefield. We've spent the last couple of years, give or take, going through a pandemic. Yeah. The world is uh, a
1: bit annoying. Very much not our oyster. Yeah. The
0: opposite. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not our oyster, but at least we're not drinking oyster stout. So <laughs> well, things could yet. be worse.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, when it comes... If we're looking at the, the pantheon of shit beers... <laughs> I think I think that oyster stout that we got from the beer off it all is probably oh. the pinnacle. Yeah, one one of one of those that just went down the sink. But anyway, we digress. The, although we don't in a way, because this next bit, the the world is kind of turned to shit. Yeah, we, we, we ain't got time for everything. There's lots of stuff in the world. There's lots of things to digest. We've got to prioritise what we can keep when we move into our crappy antibacterial null space when the inevitable you know uh, fucking sign up for that, baby? 17th variant comes out and, uh, and and none of the vaccines work so what what genre fiction or related cack just has to go so this is our half assed take on room 101 now of it course was... we've got an easy first entry it's Oyster Stout Oyster Stout <laughs> yeah. can go in room 101 and fuck right off
1: it can. Yeah.
0: It's not really genre, but we'll go no, with it. it's not. But uh, uh, what what have you got? What what are you sending to Room 101?
1: So I um, will stick with fantasy fiction mm-hmm. and stuff I really hate about fantasy fiction. Yeah. So I can't put Terry Brooks in there because that would be unfair to him. He's yeah. probably a nice man. Yeah, bless him. He probably doesn't deserve that. Well, we say that. We yeah. don't know him. You know, he <laughs> could, could be a fascist. Yeah, well, that's I'm, true. Yeah. I'm hoping he's not. So no offence to Terry. Yeah. Uh so my my thing about fantasy fiction I've read a lot of it is the dark lord, right? Mm. So so when it comes to books anything that's got the dark lord or mm. the evil one yep. or whatever can fuck right off into yep. the null space because it's uh it's rubbish isn't that it? it's mm. just a shit villain. Yeah. It's it's either an evil god. Yeah. Who's a bit shit. Yep. You've got even I mean, Sarum was the precursor to the Dark Lord, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. But at least he had he had Saruman and kind of some low level shit kickers to kind of balance it out. But yeah. he was still rubbish. But he had a backstory, yeah. so I'll let him off. But yeah, back to Terry Brooks, the Shannara Chronicles had a Dark Lord. Even the Thomas Covenant books, mm-hmm. Lord Fowl. Yeah. Just anything like that. Even you know the majority of. Fantasy films, you know, the, you've got a Dungeons and Dragons film where you've got this. They've always got the Dark Lord, mm. Voldemort, the Dark mm. Lord. Mm. They're all shit, aren't they? Yeah, just a, yeah. The, the motivations are rubbish, aren't they? Really. So you know, we we've we've tried writing several things. You try and think of a villain, and like what most of it's like, right? Yeah, I'll just conquer the world. I'll take over the world because I'm really evil. But yeah. what, what's the plan? What are you going to do with it? Yeah. Yeah. You're um, not gonna sit back and drink claret you know, if you're evil.
0: You know, there's there's ways of doing it and for all that a couple of the books have their faults. You know, Moacock did a kind of a good job with that with with the Heart Moon books. Emperor Juan. Actually, yeah. you know, there is there is a political purpose and they they have they have as as vile as it is, they have a poli- political motives. Obviously they're yeah. evil cunts and they're and they um all really vile but the, there's a sense of it's grounded in some level of realism i'm going to give tolkien a pass because yeah
1: yeah all that's so enough yeah you He's know all,
0: all, right. all, 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 all the sauron stuff and, and all the, the the background lore with melkor and all that stuff is is actually quite interesting it took me about 47 attempts to actually read the silmarillion but one day I, I read tried. it yeah well yeah. one day i read it and it just really clicked I remember trying to read it after Lord of the Rings and then I tried a few years later and I tried a few years later after that yeah. and I was just like, there was such a bombardment of lore. It was just so... And it's, not, and it's, it's not,
1: really dryly written as well, yeah. isn't it? And
0: it's, it's it's not a big book. It's not thick. It's not particularly dense. No. There's just too much information. There's too much overload. And I, and frankly, I don't give a flying fuck what glow, how many apricots Glorfindel ate before he had a battle. I think it was about twelve, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, usually just, twelve. And Lord yeah. Glorfindel ate fourteen apricots. And before, got a tummy ache. yeah, before the walls of Gondolin. Yeah. Blah blah blah. And he, and he was bilious
1: throughout yeah. the battle. <laughs>
0: Which is unfortunate, <laughs> wasn't it? But but one day I, I kind of I, I picked it up and read it and I just rattled through that stuff and and it all just went in and it clicked and it's really fucking good and all the Baron and Luthien stuff is great and all oh, the that's Chirin's, amazing yeah all the and yeah. bar stuff is great yeah both of
1: um, them brilliant
0: yeah and 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 some and the background stuff about like sort of the the law of Middle Earth is all quite interesting it's it's it's, it, it's yeah. good. But then when you get stuff like the Shannara Chronicles, and actually, I didn't mention things we've read or watched. I didn't mention Wheel of Time. Um no. Because this is the point at which we kick, we put the boot in. Not yeah. not not Agenda Item 2. Agenda no. Item 3 is where yeah. we put the boot in. Two things that people have recommended to me over and over and over and over again over the years. Wheel of Time and David Gemmell.
1: I was and,
0: going to say, in uh bare-knuckle Boxing. Barnacle Boxing, yeah. yeah Which, um, fr- fr- frankly, I've, I I also avoided like The Plague because I'm a massive wimp. Um, <laughs> Same here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I tried reading Wheel of Time for maybe the second or third time. I tried reading the first Wheel of Time book. How far did he get? Th- about three chapters. I was yeah. like, oh, fuck all this. <laughs> um, and... To be fair, I got three episodes into the TV series before, before I thought, oh, fuck all this. And and it's it you're right, it's absolutely amazing. Dark Lord, Dark Army, and, and it's just like a massive fucking retread of all the plot points of Lord of the Rings, yeah. even including escaping over the brandywine yeah. on a ferry. chased
1: by Trollocs.
0: Yeah, and I'm watching it, I'm thinking, what is going on here? And there are things about the TV series I actually quite liked. I thought the trollocs were really good. I thought they were a really good blend of CGI. They it.
1: Yeah, it's a fucking Which stupid name,
0: but visually, I think it looks yeah. nice. I think they're a really yeah. good blend of CGI and practical effects. I think it looks pretty fantastic. But when you look at the main cast, I, you know, I'd, I'd I'd love to kind of em- embrace those actors, and I think they're doing the best they can do with what they've got. But they all look like they've been dressed from a Gap medieval store. Maybe they have. I, I really, I really, really struggled with it, and and ro- I like Rosamund Pike, but she's just there to be an exposition machine. Um, yeah, I like, I
1: like her as so I think she's yeah. a good actress. Yeah. And and, and again,
0: it, it's like Dark Lord, his minions, they're after yeah. us. We are the chosen but, ones.
1: Ugh, yeah. That that's really. probably the the other one really, the chosen one piece. But um, yeah. Yeah, so there's that. I, th- I think shit villains. It probably could be just come under that kind of caveat of yeah, shit villains. That that category even. Dark lords are probably the main one, but ultimately, if you've got a shit villain,
0: you mentioned um, the Thomas Covenant novels as well, and I think that yeah. they're, they're uh, um, another good example. You know, Lord Fowl. Okay, I, th- I think over time you do kind of get some kind of motivation Fowl, for Lord Fowl. But, you know, I-, I suppose at least in Wheel of Time and Sorda favour, your protagonist doesn't rape somebody in the first three chapters. So yeah, yeah. I, th- I think if we're talking Such Room sick in the box, isn't it? Yeah, I think if we're talking Room 101, Thomas Covenant novels can go in Room 101 for me. They can get the fuck off the island. For
1: me, I've read this. What, what's the author? called
0: steven fuck i can't remember donaldson it's donaldson
1: Yeah, i read a read a couple of his other ones um i can't for the life of anything about them apart from one of the villi- the wizard was called aileron or something right. which is a part of a plane yeah um and it was mostly yeah. awful. Well, it's shit. I had a called Mario Wizard Rudder. Yeah,
0: exactly. A much better name. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I th- yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. I think uh, the Dark Lord trope get in the bin.
1: Yeah, I'm not even a massive fan of um, the Night King either, to be honest. Yeah, well,
0: the thing about the George Martin book, there is no Night King. The Na- They created the Night King for the TV series, I think. they? Really? Yeah. You've got the... Um, you've got the
1: White Walkers. You've
0: got the White Walkers, but, I mean... The TV series is a perfect example of how the you know the the, the Dark Lord with no apparent motive goes horribly wrong. Yeah, yeah. You know? Because they, they set up all this fucking nonsense, and they really don't know what to do with it. And e- even in the eighth, se- oh yeah, that's something that can go in the bin. Game yeah. of Thrones TV series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But
1: it was great up to a point, though, wasn't
0: it? It was good up to a point. I think it, I think it had its issues. I, I think. Benioff and Weiss had a really, really bad habit of uh, putting things in there that that weren't in the books that were just a little bit nasty, and the books weren't pleasant. No, no. You know, they made the TV, TV series a lot more rapey, a lot more male gazey. I was talking to, to Gemma, aka Markman, the other day about this. And the, the stuff that they did, like, they, they started that series with two of their actors as children. And then the moment they became yeah. of age, they have one of them raped. Yeah. And the other one in the eighth season, despite the fact that they've known this actress since she was a child, they have her do a nude sex scene. And it was really fucking queasy and unnecessary. There's there's nothing wrong with Arya getting to have a sexual relationship before the end of the world. But the way in which they did it was really fucking creepy. Turning the scene where Cersei and Jaime Lannister have sex on the tomb of their son, turning that into a rape that becomes consensual. Having the red wedding include a pregnant woman getting stabbed multiple times in the belly. For fuck's sake. All the signs were there early on. That the guys who were running that program were mildly problematic or majorly problematic. And as it went by, it just it just there's a brilliant meme of um of Game of Thrones series. I think it's before season eight, it's like seasons one to seven or something. And it's and it's a picture of a horse that's split. And the first four columns of this Beautifully illustrated horse in in <laughs> in, sh- that in shaded thing. pencils, and then it gets a five, six, seven, and it just looks like a donkey written drawn by a three year old.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem when people are writing writing fantasy films that mm. that generally don't get it. Just that yeah, if you think about the the amount of fantasy films that have happened over the years, there's very few that you go, "That's pretty cool." Mm-hmm. You know, that's I mean, the, the Lord of the Rings films are. Yeah, you know, certain bits I don't like, but they're really well filmed. Mm. Uh, Peter Jackson got it because he didn't dumb it down. Mm. I think that it's, yeah, I don't know. I think.
0: Yeah, I lost that reputation with the Hobbit films, though, didn't he? Yes, yes, he did.
1: So, yeah, I mean, we've got the House of the Dragons who uh, come over the horizon, haven't we? Mm. The Game of Thrones show. Might watch it.
0: Yeah, be interested to see what happens. Matt Smith's in it, isn't he? Quite like Matt Smith. Yeah, I
1: like Matt Smith a lot, yeah. Mm. Which brings us to chibnall's doctor who extravaganza mm. oh
0: good lord if i had if i had a trapdoor to hell chibnall's doctor who would be teetering on the edge of it
1: yeah, yeah. I, know, I, I feel really sorry jodie whittaker she's mm-hmm. just i mean that i've just finished watching flux mm-hmm. episode six mm-hmm. yeah what was that all about
0: yeah when, when it comes to the grand hall of fame when it comes to sticking a landing yeah flux is is somewhere in the cellar you know it's, it, well,
1: it was... a lot of people like it don't
0: they but yeah I mean, and, and that's you know well, that's great I, I think a lot of people like a lot of people really love jodie whittaker's take on the doctor i mean i like jodie whittaker as an actor I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't like her take on the doctor but that's probably me being nearly 50 you know and and modern doctor who i've just got to accept isn't for me yeah. you know it's 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 not my doctor who at the end it, of could,
1: it. it could be good but, I, yeah, it, it was mostly awful. No, I liked The Weeping Angels one, up until the end. That was quite good.
0: Yeah, uh, but it, it's, it's definitely not just... This, you know, the most recent thing with Jodie Whitaker. I think I, I liked Capaldi as yeah. the Doctor to an extent, but I think he was poorly served by the right. Um, I think the stories were mostly awful. And I think jo- the Jodie Whitaker age of the Doctor is just as bad. And all this nonsense about the Doctor being some super being from outside the universe and them introducing a multiverse just seems like, right? Multiverse is happening in everything, including Marvel. So what's Chibnall doing? Well, let's throw a multiverse in there as well. It all seems really lazy yeah, yeah, yeah. And, un- and
1: uninspired. Yeah. Multiverses. There's
0: only multiverse. one multiverse. God damn it, that's Morcock's multiverse. Yeah,
1: exactly. So that's it. So, yeah. So, so um, Dark Lords, they can bugger off. Dark Lords can bugger off.
0: Game of Thrones can bugger off. Game of Thrones can bugger off. Doctor Who. I don't want Doctor Who to bugger off, but I'm, no, happy, I'm, I'm happy. Chibnall is is going. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. So yeah. my uh, suggestions for room 101. Well, dog. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> although, yeah, mostly Brewdog. I think what one thing from the last year or two that I've got to throw in the bin, other than Wheel of Time and Dark Lord tropes, is modern adaptations that think that they're no better than the original author and i have one key thing in mind here and i'm talking the bbc war of the worlds adaptation which is i've got to say a a period authentic war of the worlds adaptation is something i've been waiting for ever since i read it when i was 15 yeah and actually i didn't get War of the worlds off pops i read war of the worlds when i was staying over at my friend Emma's house when I was a teenager, and I stayed in their spare room, and her mam had a copy of War of the Worlds, and I laid in bed all morning, and I read it from cover to cover. And I was was, was familiar with the Jeff Wayne War of the Worlds album, which, as it turns out, from reading the book, is a really fucking faithful adaptation. Yeah. And, you know, you can't go wrong with Richard Burton's voice, can you? The Burton... Yeah, so there have been a number of War of the Worlds adaptations. You know, I, I saw the George Pal film when I was a kid. You know, the nineteen fifties, um, yeah, kind of atomic age War of the World adaptation, which I, I'm quite fond of.
1: I think that's probably the one I know the best. Of yeah,
0: them. yeah, and then of course you get the announcement that there's a Steven Spielberg, Tom Cruise War of the Worlds. Yeah, and that kind um, of piques a little bit of interest, and then you watch it, and it's like, oh, good, good, good tripods. Otherwise, an absolute. Fucking dog's dinner. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, and then you hear that the BBC are doing an adaptation of War of the Worlds that's period authentic almost. the, I don't know why, but they moved it on a few years. Did they? Yeah, I don't know why. I have no idea because it didn't really seem to have much impact on on what they were doing. And I was so excited. And and when some of the stills came out of the sets, and you had really incredible looking. Sets and production design, and some really grim stuff with a street with like dead soldiers and dead horses, like scenes of absolute carnage. And it looked really, really promising. And then it got delayed, and then it got delayed again. And it was like, right, okay, what's going on? Why is this getting delayed repeatedly? And then when it came out, oh my god, holy shit, what a fucking mess. I think I watched the first one and think. Uh, you, I mean, did, you did the right thing because it, the it, it did not improve and it was the same to a degree as no, really. um, my feelings when i watched the hobbit adaptations where it was like peter jackson thinking well you know some of these scenes in the books are all right but let's minimize those and just put in all this bullshit instead yeah. and that's what the, the, the bbc adaptation is like it's there are key things key iconic scenes from the books that are just Missing, So they can just replace them with absolute dog shit. The design of the Martians was all wrong. The Martians, when they actually were in the war machines, was all wrong. They, were, they were just they introduced a, a, a plot thread where it was... So, so they, they effectively gender flip the, the narrator, which is absolutely fine. I've got no problem yeah, whatsoever yeah. with the actor who played the main protagonist. Um, so the actual narrator in the book was... He's kind of played by Rafe's ball, but he ends is, is really minimised in favour of of his his living lover who's not his actual wife, which you know that's whatever. Right, yeah. That's yeah. That, whatever. That's whatever, that's all fine. Back to me now, yeah. and, and I like I like the actor who plays who plays his his part. I think she's a really good actor. But they have this strange plot thread where they keep flashing forward to the future. That's right, yeah. And it's like they just thought, you know what? We don't need any of these iconic scenes from the HG Wells story. Let's have a story where in the future she's. There's, there's a rape threat scene. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. okay, make efforts to make it contemporary if you want. But you get these BBC script writers who think, you know what? Oh, great. I've got the Gig of a Lifetime, which is adapting War of the Worlds. I'm going to throw out 90% of what H.G. Wells did. I'm going to throw out 90% of his iconic scenes. And I'm just going to make a load of shit up that's rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> So BBC War of the Worlds, but more broadly, modern adaptations of classic genre fiction probably need to go in the bin.
1: It's very, it's very hit and miss, is for you know, for all your kind of Sherlocks which hit the mark, I mean, Dr- Dracula.
0: But even Sherlock only hit the mark thirty percent of the time.
1: Two thirds of those episodes were terrible. Yeah, but I still think the other ones were good. Dracula started off really well. I thought I really liked the none. No and then it just went utterly Pete Tom. The other two episodes, just like Ugh. I like
0: I liked the episode on the ship, but the, was the uh, but, one, but the cliffhanger with the helicopter, I nearly threw some at my telly.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was it was one of those things where you like, yeah, uh, yeah, because yeah. it's because it yeah, really, the nun was amazing. It was like yeah, she's brilliant. Yeah. just give her a show and I'll watch that. But yeah, there's there's a lot of that. That's what worries me about any Moroka adaptations.
0: Well, I tell you what, if 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 they ended up doing, if the BBC did end up doing an adaptation of the history of the Rune stuff, and it, think... and it and it went as badly as War of the Worlds or Dracula, <laughs> I'd rather it just didn't happen. I'd, yeah.
1: I'd rather it didn't happen, to be yeah. honest. I really, am. I just think it would be really terrible.
0: Yeah, no, I think we're in agreement there. And you know what? I've nearly finished my Marmite beer. So it's time. It's time. It's Vader time. It's not Veda time. It's, it's next beer time. Uh, because we've only got two left, I think it's pointless rolling a D20. I think we'll just say 1 to 10 is a fumble. 11 to 20 is wild card number one. Oh, god. Who's going to roll? I'll let you do it. I'll roll. It's 19. It's wild card number two, which leaves, leaves the fumble beer for dead last.
1: So... Is the... You've got that one,
0: haven't you? I've got this one. So this has been a long time coming. And this one is Tiny Rebel Imperial Honey Glazed Ham Marshmallow Porter (laughs) at 9%. And Patron Randall bought me this months ago. But I've been sitting on this waiting for you and I to do another podcast. And This has been waiting a long, long time. So Randall, this one is for you. Finally. Lars,
1: what is your wild I'm card? I'm going to have a look, because I've got two. I'm deciding which one. With due sense of dread, I have gone for the vacation Special Edition mm-hmm. Honeycomb Chocolate Stout, ah. which uh, clocks in at the cosy 7%. Okay. Described as like your favourite chocolate bar with a boozy twist. Now, I like crunchies a lot. I don't like drinking crunches or dipping them in beer, mm. but I will give it a go after this finishing this Marmite. Yeah. I do feel a bit gouty after the last three, though, but yeah, yeah. bit warm. Yeah, I've got to say,
0: though, I think I really enjoyed the cucumber sour. I thought that was delicious and That would be refreshing. quite nice now, wouldn't it? It would. Sadly, had we actually sensibly organised this instead of rolling randomly on the wandering beer table, that's exactly what we could have been drinking right now. But yep. we didn't. I've got no particular right on this, other than it's nine percent, and I'm just going to have to work with my nose. And weirdly, it, it smells got a
1: bacon tinge.
0: Yeah, it smells of smoky bacon crisps. Amazing. Mm. Maybe you should
1: have some smoky bacon crisps
0: to go with it. I wish I had some. I ain't got any. So yeah. it smells of smoky bacon crisps with an undertone of oh, marshmallows, pen. Excellent. Yeah. So it smells like smoky bacon pen.
1: Have you had the Stay of normal one? Yes, and I really Which like it. Which is really nice, isn't
0: it? Yeah, I really like it. So I think I, I have often used the impre- the expression in the past bacon improves everything.
2: Yeah. I may I may,
0: may be about to find out that that's not actually the case. But I don't know, let's go. Let's find out. Yep, that's really fucking weird. <laughs> yep. Yep, but, uh, you know, in its defense, it's not the worst beer of the evening. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think, oh man, that that smells exactly like crunchy.
0: Yeah, it really does. We have a an Irish liqueur, the name of which escapes me, so it's probably pointless bringing it up. <laughs> but that just te- that does taste of liquid crunchy. It actually,
1: uh, it's quite nice, though.
0: Really? Yeah, oh, good. Well, you've got happened. one upon me because I'm not convinced by
1: this at all. Uh, have you ever tried the bacon soda drink? No. I haven't. My mate's tried it. He said uh, it's probably, as it sounds, like fizzy bacon. Mm. So not for everyone. That does taste crunchy, actually. It's quite pleasant.
0: Well, I fucking wish mine did. <laughs> That's all I can say. Okay. Thanks, Randall. I really appreciate the thought. And to be fair, it's not your fault. You said you'd buy me a beer and shove me the reds. It's my fault for buying this fucking atrocity. So I will say I'm not holding it against you at all. But cheers, Randall. Much appreciated. Nice son, Randall. So Randall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I thought, Agenda Item 4, of course, we recorded earlier in the year, and we actually did three, in the end, podcasts about role-playing games. We did, yeah. We We never did finish that Stormbringer game for one reason or another. And what we no. decided to do is actually park the finale for when we could all meet up face-to-face, which we were hoping would be in the new year. Who knows which year that will be, yeah, exactly. where shit's going with the uh, the ozoidal adoid virus.
1: Yeah, what comes after Omicron is we. wee... That, my, where, where's that name come from?
0: Uh, I don't know. I think they actually skipped a Greek letter just so they could go with an more ominous-sounding one, didn't they? It does
1: sound a bit like a Dark Lord, doesn't it? It does. Dark, the yeah. Dark Lord Omicron. Yeah,
0: it absolutely does. Um, or it sounds yeah. like a, it sounds like that Transformer villain, voiced by Arsen Wells, but I can't. Remember. <laughs> yeah, that's that called Omnicron or something yeah. like or, that.
1: Or a strange drug from like a nineteen seventies post-apocalyptic. Futuristic society. Yeah, take your Omicron. It'll make everything great. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, see, we look green.
0: We we can't really talk about that um, that Star game anymore because we never finished it. And one day we will finish
1: it. We and will be- if we can remember any of it.
0: If we can remember any of it. But what I thought was because because gaming online is a completely different kettle of fish. And what I'd done was a game that I thought would last two sessions, and ended up lasting six and never even got finished. I thought, you know, when when it actually comes to the, uh, the the climax, we'll get you. Obviously, we'll get we'll see if we can get Neil Burton. We'll get Norman. Cheers, Norman. Hope you're feeling better after your uh, after your treatment. Cheers, Norman. Yep, we'll get Graham and we'll get Paul. And hopefully we'll all get together in in a place, an actual physical place. And I'll I'll add a couple of extra rooms, and we can maybe last <laughs> make it last about seven hours or something. Uh, so that, that's something to look forward to. And when we do it, maybe we could uh, all get drunk and record our uh, our observations. So that will be our RPG episode part four. Well that's you know, since since then we, we have both been gaming a little bit Yeah. yeah. You know, what's what's been your favourite game of the, the online gaming era? Because of course what? it was kind of a new thing to us, wasn't it, gaming? It online? was,
1: yeah. It was really weird. it was one of those things where because we obviously live in different towns, when mm-hmm. we played even face to face it was like once every two, three months, wasn't it? Yeah, and we generally so got Utterly massively pug a shit first.
0: Yeah. And everything just ground to a halt.
1: <laughs> yeah, because we always forgot what we talked about three months ago, which yeah. is fair enough.
0: But don't get me wrong, we had a great time.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was good good fun. But mm. for, for me, there's like two things. So I've been doing my kind of regular thing weekly. Yeah. But I think probably one of the favourite playing was um, with Tanya. Tanya Flocker yeah. Yeah, which was ace. Nice. It was really, really cool. Really good fun. That what
0: was the, what was the system? Houses of the
1: Blooded. Yes, that was it. Yeah,
0: narrative focused. Really, yeah. really interesting way of gaming. Yeah, that was excellent.
1: Yeah, it was brilliant. So that, that was excellent. really that was really good fun. And yeah, it was kind of a semi serious game, which was good. Yeah, and every it, it was for me. It was kind of interesting playing with with people who play a lot. Yeah, which I don't do very often, and we haven't done very often, have we? Apart from me and you when we play together. There's, not many people have played it for years,, I think. Yeah. so so that was quite good. Everybody's really invested in kind of the narrative. It was cool, yeah, so it was good. and then I've been running Nights black agents for about a year and a half we've We've got a dual gm thing, so we kind of arranged a kind of a vague plot with some vague conspiracy things. Hmm. And we kind of run games in parallel with some different teams of characters but joined up. Mm. So being that for kind of a year and a half, which is good fun. Um, and then I've done a couple of 70s Nightblock Agents games because we got bored of computers. So mm. I thought it'd be funnier. So I did it in the style of everybody plays a pissed-up actor playing a character in a film. So we yeah. had Richard Burton, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Uh, Oliver Reed's one of the characters was currently playing. But yeah, so Night Agents has mm. been good fun. So that's kind of what we've been doing. We've done it in the style of a TV show. Mm. So stupid stunts. Yeah, that kind of
0: stuff. For my part, I think I've been playing Thursday nights and, of course, I'm um, grateful to Andy, a.k.a. Uh, Kiha, a.k.a. Kiha, formerly of Dissecting World. I think it's probably 2020 now. He, he asked me if I wanted to join their Thursday night Black Hat game. So I've played just about every Thursday, with a few exceptions, and we've played a number of things. We've played Black Hat, we've played Mark Borg. Oh, yeah, played, exactly uh, yeah, it was Yeah, it was a good laugh. We've played, uh, I mean, you know... The the, the the system I suppose is immaterial. It was Gerps, which is oh,
1: right.
0: not really to my to my tastes. But the actual game was very much to my tastes. So I've I've, I've had a lot of fun playing uh, a lot of different characters. So I think the first character I played in in Andrew's game was Krang, the Iron Bear, a nineteen year old muscle bound idiot barbarian from the north, who um, ends up running a cereal cafe. Obviously. In, it, Yep, in a, in a hipster area um, and uh, wears a cowboy hat. That was a lot of fun. Mark Borger played a heretical priest who lost an arm and an eye who was basically shit Coram. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of fun.
1: Shit Coram.
0: Yeah. And he did a, a, a post-apocalyptic game set on Tenerife. Which was which was really good fun. Um, and I played an aging stand-up from the north of England called Roy Savaloy. I retired... think I saw a picture of <laughs> Oh I had such a good laugh playing Roy Savaloy. It was excellent. I, every week I would prepare terrible, terrible <laughs> jokes. Um, and uh, and he had us he had us actually write in kind of uh, accounts of what went on. So I wrote a couple of entries of in, in, in Roy Savaloy's diary. Which was a lot of fun. I'll actually I'll actually post a link to them because that was a lot of fun, and a lot, all the other players all did accounts as well. And one of the players, Dave, he actually did uh, his account in in song, <laughs> 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 which was which was absolutely brilliant. And uh, and most recently, we played a, a space game where my character was uh, an alien slugman called Les Cargo. Obviously, um, yeah. Who was who was the, the, who was in charge of the ship's manifest? He was the ship's counselor, struck quartermaster, and uh, and he exuded psychotropic goo. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> did you make that
1: one up? Yes, I did. I just thought you might have done.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So I had a lot of fun. On those yeah. Thursday nights. And I've got to say that I think they're, you know, with with the state of play in the world in the last couple of years, I mean, obviously, you know, you you you, you take sucker from your family and your close ones and everything else. Yeah. But Two things have, have been really, really good for my mental health in the last couple of years. One is doing this podcast and getting, yeah. you know, the feedback from the people who listen to it, even to the point... Where some of the uh, some of the slightly shirty negative <laughs> reviews have given me a good chuckle as well. Um, I think I think my favourite of which was a comment on the rats episode right. on YouTube where somebody said um, the woman's alright, but the bloke is a real tool.
1: Did <laughs> <laughs> Did we get called some kind of like? Hipster something or others as well. Yeah, we did.
0: Yeah, uh, our our take on the uh, on Stormbringer um, that was it <laughs> u- upset somebody quite quite considerably. And yeah, we, we got called hipster douchebags or something. Yeah, yeah, I it can't remember. It? But yeah, that that's yeah. that that's quite good fun.
1: I think the other thing, but just back to game is we both played the same character in Dirk's Hot Moon game. We did. We? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. We did. We both played the banneret of Tanelon
1: yeah with radically different interpretations i believe
0: yeah yeah i, th- I think um, my- mine was a poet yeah. Um, so I, I was I think I banged out some shit poems uh, what, what What? was your take on the character
1: I think I had a hat yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I went worked. for the more heroic hat wearing uppity arrogant room stuff kind of guy right? yeah. my usual kind of spiel Oh, that's cool yeah. and funnily
0: enough Dirk actually owes me a quorum game does he yeah
1: maybe he owes us both a quorum I game I think he does yeah because yes.
0: Dirk was supposed to be running a quorum Game at, uh, but I think it was Virtual Grub Me. I can't remember which one it was, but you had to pull it at the last minute because of because of pullouts. So, Derek, if you're listening, you are Los and I a Corum game because Loz is an avatar of mine and I am an avatar of his.
1: So yeah, exactly. So what, what can possibly go wrong? Yeah, absolutely. What goes yeah.
0: what goes for him goes for me and yeah. vice versa. So, just poems. so yeah, it's it's been it's been uh, it's been very cool. Past time. And and again, it's funny the parallels between podcasting and gaming is it leads you to meet and interact with especially during lockdown which has been such a unique period of time in our lives Mm. you know I'm 49 you're 50 now I think 51 Uh, 51 blimey and it's very much a unique occurrence in our lifetimes but the positive part of it is that I never would have met or interacted with a lot of these people I never would have met or interacted with the people I game with on a Thursday night, you know? And, um, yeah, totally. Yeah. And they're all really fucking cool people, and I have a great laugh with them, yeah, you yeah. know? It's, it's very cool. It's very cool. So with every cloud, etc. So yeah, same
1: with us. We, you know, we've got five players who play every Tuesday, mm. which is great. You know, three of them have not role-played since, well, one's robot once in his life, but yeah. he always keep turning up, which is good yeah yeah and, and the online thing works isn't it sometimes yeah it's taken me a while to kind of get my head around because when I first started doing it I had loads of maps and loads of stuff on roll 20 and mm. and it ended up being a bit of a board game at one point you know when you just got miniatures moving around and it was like nah this is this is not right so mm. I just started just Pairing back and not using them anymore because yeah. that was the thing. It does very much. It certain games you like, right? I'll just move there, and yeah. it kind of takes away from using your imagination a bit.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we've always been theater of the mind players, anyway. Yeah, probably, well, of So
1: yeah, I, I wouldn't use the word theater. Maybe uh, stand up comedy of the <laughs> yeah, mind, yeah. maybe or you know shouting at pigeons of the mind. <laughs> <or something. laughs> yeah. So there's
0: there's new news afoot that there's potentially a new Elric role playing game in the works.
1: Really? Yeah. Who's doing
0: that. I can't remember, but M- Morcock in an interview said that he's he's um, he's been working with or negotiating with a company. I think there might be a French company or something that are that are doing. So because of course Morcock's been interviewed a lot recently. His his sequel to the Whispering Swarm is
1: due. Yeah, um, we should probably. Um... We should probably have a brief chat about the new Mollocop things on the horizon.
0: Yeah, so there's a sequel to The Whispering Swarm and to my shame, I still haven't read the first one. I've it, on it. Yeah, got it on the shelf. There's the new Elric book, which he said is really pulpy, but he likes it. And that is music to my ears because if I get a new Elric book I don't want a repeat of I know we haven't covered it on the podcast, but I don't want a repeat of the last trilogy, which I thought vanished up its own arse a little bit. I just want some really fucking good pulpy Elric action, if there's going to be more Elric. Yeah,
1: it was very much the last three were um, falling in love too much with your character, I think. Mm. So Elric... Bit
0: of a back, you know. I, I thought there were there were attempts to try and do something slightly different to wrap up the Eternal Champion overall arc
1: that and make was, Elric more important than he is. Yeah, it's that, that and, was tr- thing that annoyed me.
0: Yeah, it's try and undo the quest for Tanelon Yeah, and 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 make it a kind of more broader weighty thing, but I don't think it was any more successful than quest for Tanelon. No, I
1: don't either. Um, very much not and I don't think fact, it's needed i don't
0: think it's required to tie it
1: all up just let it just let them yeah i mean you know. the fact that the, the the only good bit i liked about the' I think it was the white wolf son i think was because mm. it went back to grand Britain, kind of tragic millennium mm. and it had shit hot moon in it which mm. i kind of liked mm. but apart from that it was mostly awkward. yeah so that was the thing about the Elwick book and, and that was just the question I was going to ask you. It's like, out of all of the Eternal Champions, yep. including probably ones we've not just alluded to, who mm. do you want to read about, really? Well, yeah, I mean,
0: that's the the trick, isn't it? Personally, I would rather read something new. I, I would rather read Mocock doing something like... I don't know, The Black Corridor again. Uh, r- rather than retreading Elric mm-hmm. again, yeah. I, th- I think he's, he's said everything he's got to say about Elric. You know, I really need to read The Whispering Swarm and read the sequel. I know that he'll, he'll do, an- as you would, naturally, do another Elric book, it will sell like hotcakes. Yeah, it possibly yeah, will, yeah. So, in that case, God bless him. But do
1: you think if he just said, like, Michael McCock's doing a new Eternal Champion book with a new Eternal Champion, people would still it would be the same thing.
0: Hardcore Mocock fans would. But but there's there's still a lot of people out there and it's it's interesting when when you look at some of the discourse on on Instagram and Twitter. There's tons of people out there who love the Elric stuff who say I tried Hawkmoon or I tried Corum or I tried X and I didn't get on with it but I love Elric. Elric is his money spinner. Yeah at the end of the day. You know, it it would satisfy hardcore Mocock fans, which is something something I'd much rather read. I'd yes, much, would I mean, much rather read something, you know, more kind of Eternal Champion focused or or related, rather than another, you know, another book that it takes place entirely while Elric is strapped to a mast.
1: Yeah, exactly. In
0: Stormbringer, or, yeah, that was
1: yeah, yeah, I want that. You know, he's done all sorry. his graphic
0: novels about Elric's dream, dream quests, and I think it's has yeah. been done to death. But that said. The moment it's out, I'll have it in hardcover and I'll be reading the fuck out
1: of it. Yeah, I'll be reading it, yeah, definitely. Mm. But I think, as you said, surely. Just just write somewhere else.
0: So, yeah, I mean, what's he got coming out? He's got the Whispin' Swarm sequel. He's, he's got the new Elric book. and there's Possibly the, an RPG. Possibly an RPG. And there's the Saga Press Elric collections, hardcover Elric collections, which should have been out already, but they keep on getting delayed. And they've been delayed to the new year now. But... I've got all them on pre-order. Very much looking forward to them. I suppose, just, just as, as another comment, 60th anniversary of The Dreaming City. Holy G- crap. Yeah, Jed Design have released a 60th anniversary edition of The Dreaming City. It's, it's amazing, really, that he's, he's 82 and he's got reprints and two fresh novels about to be released. Oh, good yeah. luck to him. That's good luck right. to him and bless his cotton socks, is what I say. Yeah, all the yeah. best. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, more to come. So I'm I'm gonna throw the last of this fucking disgrace down my neck.
1: I must admit, the the fact that they're uh... incredibly strong is uh, affecting my ability to uh, function, I think. Yeah, well you know what, we've come this far and I don't mean function, perfectly fine. This one yeah. is really nice if you get a chance for that
0: one. Yeah, you'll you'll have to um send me photographs of your cans. So or send what. some over. I'll, I'll post them on, on blog so everybody knows what disgraceful beverages <laughs> we've been it's putting terrible. ourselves through. Uh, I don't
1: but, want to finish the evening with an 11% porter. I don't know you. Well, you don't,
0: you don't have to, because the last remaining beer is our fumble roll. We don't have to roll for it, because oh, that's yeah, all we've got left. Yeah. So. That, right? I'll okay. get some, uh, some Ritz crackers to uh, give me some salt. Yeah, that's very wise. Unfortunately, I have no access to salty snacks, so I'm just going to suck it up. So. Our final beer of the evening is would have been our fumble roll. So it's always best, I think, to save the fumble till last. And so what we've got is a BrewDog collaboration with Tony's Chocolate. And it's called Tony's Hopper Lonely. And it's a white chocolate and raspberry milkshake IPA that rings in. I can't read properly. 6.3% is that? An yeah. odd number. You know, despite the fact I said earlier on I would put Brewdog in room 101, which by and large I probably would, I'm going to have to eat my own words and drink Tony's Hopper Lonely. And uh, I've actually been to the Tony's factory in Amsterdam. Have I? Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know it was
0: Dutch. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'd never seen Tony's chocolate before we went in the Amsterdam one. And then, of course, six months after getting back from Amsterdam, Tony's is every fucking where.
1: yeah. It's yeah. so, about £1,000 for a yeah. small... Right,
0: okay, let's go. So after kicking off the evening with a delicious cucumber sour and then having a variety of various levels of hideosity in <laughs> terms of dark beers, to finish the evening in a white chocolate and raspberry IPA... It smells lovely. It's a bit of a, a bit of an odd one, but let's give it a smell. It sniff. smells
1: really
0: nice. That does smell good. Yeah. That does smell good. That that reminds me of the was it I don't think it was Northern Monk. Who was it who did the Aunt Bess's Jam Really Poly IPA? Oh, I don't know. I think we did we double
1: in that
0: one? I certainly did. Um I'm sure I, I went to the it. Hoptimist in Geisley, and I got two cans of that and two cans of the Aunt Bess's roast beef and Yorkshire oh, brown <laughs> ale. Um and actually yeah. They were really nice. It was it was just a really nice brown ale that tasted ever so slightly oxo-y. <laughs>
1: slightly in beef.
0: Yeah. Well, okay, it smells good.
1: That's actually that
0: is possibly the most pleasant beer of the evening. That's not bad. Yeah, I don't take it back, Brew Dog. I still hate you, but I'm I'm going to say that it's turn. I'm going to I'm going to congratulate Tony's on this. I'm going to say that Tony's have dragged
1: Brewdog out of the gutter. I don't mind Brewdog. I, I'm all right with him, apart yeah. from certain aspects of the political spectrum. Yeah. They did some good, it's like anything, they did some good stuff. It's bad stuff. Hmm. I want to invite him to my wedding.
0: No. Just say, no. No,
1: me neither. There's I a Brewdog the...
0: opening in Bradford. I shall
1: be sure not to go. I've been in the Manchester one just because you can generally get in. Yeah. and have a drink, accidentally buy something in a third for 25 quid.
0: Yeah. This is rather nice, and I don't know whether it's because of the disgrace that we've been drinking for the last 90 minutes. I'm not sure whether it would have been this good if we'd have started on it. Now we'll never know. No. We will never know.
1: Yeah, compared to some of the, uh, the others, it's nectar of the gods,
0: isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, it is, really. Um So... We've run out of agenda items, so I think they were, probably they were
1: quite vague anyway. They were a bit fair, vague,
0: but you know what? Sometimes you just got to podcast and drink beer and not do too much homework.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah. That said, I think we shall raise a glass and say happy birthday to Phil. Happy birthday to Phil. Happy birthday to Mister Morcock, Mister M, um, and happy birthday to this fucking podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah, good effort.
0: Even though it's 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 second like Queen's birthday.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter, does it? It's no. close enough. Don't matter like Eck. Yeah, it's been good fun. I've enjoyed mm. doing them, mm. and uh, mm. it's been good rereading, especially the El- er- early Elric books and mm. the Night the Swords. I enjoyed, yeah. which was good. Yeah, uh,
0: we we should we should definitely. Th- this is the thing that we we need to fucking straighten out. Right, there's other things we need to do. The podcast broadly needs to do wall out of the air. Definitely. It needs to do Warhound of the World's Pain.
1: I thought you were doing that before.
0: Well, we actually put it out to a vote um, when we're going to do it, but because we are completely fucking hopeless at sticking to commitments, yeah, we've not got around to doing it yet. I think I think the, the fact that we actually stuck with the Halloween vote for Night of the Crabs is some kind of achievement.
1: We need to do Behold the Man. Behold the Man would be good, mm. and it's short. Sure. Yeah, I'm happy to do any of those. That'd be good. Sail and the Seas of Fate would be good not necessarily all of it reading the whole crossover piece would be good and then I, th- I can't remember what happens after it, it's probably there's a lot of books where he's just chasing Philip Karner around the uh, around the streets only kicking yeah. up the arse like Benny Hill every two minutes
0: yeah, that's the, that's the bits that I'm in for <laughs> <Very good>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I they supposedly completely bizarre. Yeah, I, I and
0: no, I go. no, it's all it's all the arse kicking. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the,
0: the, the it, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so no, I think uh, it's fair to say that you know we're 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 at the end of twenty twenty one. We've got twenty twenty two to go at. We have. We've got plenty of material to have a lay into, and hopefully, we'll do it in person. We'll do it. We'll come up with a schedule, but in the meantime. We shall, uh, we shall knock it on the head, cause I've got to go and treat Phil, cause it is her birthday after all. So, thank you for joining me in Derry and Tom's laws to talk all sorts of cobblers about the last cobblers. couple of years in podcasting and genre fiction and saying what we think needs to basically be yeeted into the sea. And um, I think you probably guess from my voice that our slate of beers is. Has- kicked my noggin in <laughs> Yeah. And I think we should probably uh, probably wrap it up. So here's to you, good sir. And you mate. Nice Cheers. to speak. Thanks as ever to Loz for joining me in Derry and Tom's and bashing through some IT problems with a plum and beer and probably a touch of gout. Interestingly, as we mentioned downloads and analytics when we were talking, a new stat came to my attention. Unsurprisingly, for an audio-only podcast, our YouTube stats are generally pretty negligible, or would be, but for the hits that two particular episodes continue to garner. And it was with much amazement that I clocked the 2021 summary and saw that we've had a combined total of 47,000 minutes listened this year. Small beans, compared to YouTube big hitters, of course, but an amazing stat for this podcast and, more amazingly, at least 99% of those minutes listened were last year's Halloween special on the rats, and, in the largest proportion, the episode with Robbo talking about Sven Hassel's Wheels of Terror. So we really must get round to part 2, Robbo. It's incredible, really, and the show is only on YouTube because Popbean automatically uploads to that platform, so we could just view that as a bonza bonus. In other news, Gemma Lowe has left us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's titled Moocock and Beyond. A great, accessible and well-researched podcast. The host's passion and knowledge shine through and the guests are always interesting. Not just for Moorcock fans. Really insightful. Would recommend. Thanks, Gemma. Always lovely to get reviews. Particularly nice ones. If those interested may have noticed it's been a month or two since I mentioned the journal. Well, it's almost complete and I have some beautiful art care of Simon Perrins and Ed Scott for the next volume. I just need to finalise some rewrites. More news on that soon. And I'm similarly fiddling around with sound for the audio version, so now Wayne and I just need to carve some time out to record more installments and revisit the earlier ones. But that's all for 2022. So that's all for this show, and for 2021. So thank you to all of our listeners, and particularly our patrons, beginning with those without tear. Sebastian Wietabix, Tim Cardos, and Anthony piconti And to the Chaos Engineers, finding social distancing something of a trick down in the belly of the good ship Don and struggling to hear Brute of Lashmar properly through his mask, although that may be a bonus. So thanks to Andrew Cicluna, Andrew Van Ness, Anthony Porter, Benjamin Fletcher, Dave Washman, Fred Keish, Jim Kirkland, John Lays, John Timothy Watt, Jules Lawrence, Malpertui, Matt Saltz, Nelbert, Simon Perrins, and Tony Malazzo, And... To our jugaderos, playing the tables as ever, and debating the effectiveness of lateral flow tests when samples are contaminated with excessive levels of Aykroyd's vortex water. They are Alexander Harris, Craig Ledley, Ian Stead, Loz, Taylor, Matthew Broom, Miles Riedelbatto, Graham Holden, Steve Round, and Tom Murphy. And, of course, massive thanks to our patron demons observing this comedy of catastrophes from their galleries high above our mortal planes, although they are having to take their own flasks, as all the servitors and minions are self-isolating after grooming Ariok. Andy Clark, Ed Scott, Gareth Wilson, Imria, Joe Monty, Paul Hillary, Mark Main, Neil Burton, the OG patron Norman Beresford, Randall Gatlin, thanks for that beer Randall, Robert McMillan, and Will Jamieson. Thank you all. So that's all for now. Until next time, you can yak with us on Twitter and Instagram on the handle at Breakfast Ruins. You can email us at com. The website is breakfastintheruins.com and we have our Patreon page too. So Merry Christmas to you all from everyone on Team Ruins. A very happy new year and we'll see you in the next one. Somewhere along the Moonbeam Roads.